depending on how bad the recession gets, if it creates foreclosures, people start losing their homes, then that creates a great buying, up, buying opportunity for investors, and that's where people make money. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Fryson and... And I'm Eric Anderson, and we're so excited today to talk to you about the top 10 to 12 ways to recession-proof your agent business. Recession-proof? Are we in a recession? Well, it's likely, according to, I think Jamie Dimon said it's likely coming. It's expected, but we're not there yet. It's expected, yeah. but we're not there yet. So introduce our, our small panel today. <laughs> so you know we have our power panel, and this power this power panel is the most powerful. We have Omar Sharif. He is our flipping and investing expert, but he is also an excellent residential and commercial agent, right? Right, and a developer. Oh, yes, and a developer. We always have to make sure that we add that these guys are developers. I don't developers. think his head is big enough for all those hats. <laughs> we we we'll now are today. developers, right? But anyway, so let's talk about recession-proofing your business. So right. whether or not the recession is here, the majority of people out there think something bad is coming down the pike. So we want to figure out a way to um, give you advice, or we have a way to give you advice and give you tips of, of things that you should start doing to um, make sure that you stay ahead of the curve with that. Um, so and this is important, because as I've been telling, I told the students, I've been telling everyone that this is the opportunity to stay in it, ride the wave, like ride this out, and then when the recession is over, you're gonna be at the top of your game. We keep on telling people that more millionaires are made in a time of economic struggle than any other time because they ride it out and then all of the weaklings fall into the water, drown, and then you are just on top. Right, and we don't want anyone that's, uh, that we know or that we care about to drown. So um, <laughs> <laughs> let's start with during a, during a time like this, when you have less buyers or less people out there that you can actually help, you know, look in the mirror and, and help yourself. Look back on yourself. Look at what can I do to, to make my business better. And remember, your business just doesn't have to be what you do for others, but your business can also be what you do for you. So if you're um, mm -hmm. someone who just represents other people, you know, now could be a great time to become an investor and start representing yourself. Start investing in yourself, in yourself and start looking for ways to make things for, to make you grow and to, and to make better opportunities for you. These so, guys will always tell you to become an investor, but they're banking. They make bank on investments, and don't you? We, uh, didn't we build a bank? <laughs> anyway, <Point>. so, <laughs> so Omer's going to tell us what his top two ideas are. Top two. All right. Um, so to start with, I think you know, it's important to realize that a recession for real estate agents and for investors just means that the financing that's in the economy tightens. Right? Okay. So how does that affect real estate agents and investors? You're going to have a tough time getting qualified for loans, and your buyers won't qualify for the same loans that they were qualifying for. So what I would focus on in any recession to start with is when the buyer's market starts to slow down, the investor's market starts to go up. reason for that is prices usually come down and rates go up, and it creates an environment where it's more creative to do more deals. Um, depending, We're not in the recession yet, but depending on how bad the recession gets, if it creates foreclosures, people start losing their homes, then that creates a great buying up buying opportunity for investors, and that's where people make money. 
so are you saying that you should become an investor, which I know you, you probably are, but also that you should you go out looking to rep investors? I would definitely suggest becoming an investor. And uh, during a recession, it's a great time to do it because your normal day-to-day -day business may slow down. Um, so it's a good time to start learning investment techniques, updating your, well, this is one of the other points, but updating some of your technology, making sure you're up to date with things. Mm -hmm. And uh, redoing your client base because you may not have the same buyers. So real sure. estate so, still goes so on. So let's talk about one of the pieces you just brought up there, which was money. Um, getting money is sometimes harder to do mm -hmm. uh, because the banks may not want to be flexible lending it or, or because the interest rates go up. But what I find in, in situations like this is when the interest rates go up, a lot of private investors want to go out and lend you the money. So maybe you start looking at non-traditional lending sources because when the rates were at four or five percent, you know, the, it was much easier to qualify for stuff with a traditional bank. But now, when people are getting eight or nine percent, um, those private lenders are starting to salivate, and they're like, "Ooh, I can actually go out and lend money," and um, they're going to be the ones doing deals for you. So, one of the the strategies that that I use and have used over the years is I've developed a large network of private lending sources. Um, Explain what a private lending source is. So a private lending source is just anybody that in theory or the way that I'm going to qualify it is anyone who's not a bank. Okay, so let's say, so you know, Noel, Noel's mother was, you know, inherited $20 million. I could go to Noel's mother and I could say, hey, give me, me $800,000 at 8%. That to me would be a private lender. Um, so it's more of a non-traditional lending source. Uh, and I have a ton of people out there that have money that either put money in the stock market or used to buy bonds. And because of the way the market is going right now, they don't want to do either of those things. Uh, so they're very excited to get into these opportunities. So that could private be a lenders. great way for you to get started in investing because you can go out and go after these private lenders. Great point. Now, private lenders could also be your friend who's in corporate saving up 50 grand, 100 grand, and doesn't want to put in uh, the stock market. Now's a good time for them Not to right now, right. Yeah. And they're, because the rates are higher, they're yeah. going to be more interested. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, they didn't really... They weren't, yeah. yeah. When, when the bank is lending at 4 or 5%, investors can't compete. But when the bank is lending at 7 8%, investors are, like you said, salivating. Salivating. <laughs> Drooling. <laughs> Drooling on the sidelines, waiting to get in. So this is a good time for a new investor to put that money together and find deals. Okay, perfect. So look for new market opportunities. I'd say that's probably... My number one That's huge. thing for you as an agent or as a, a someone who's in the real estate career uh, world to start doing to, to be so recession proof. When you say look for new market opportunities, what exactly do you mean? So for instance, let's say you focus just on, on being a buyer's rep, okay? Mm -hmm. Start going out there and, and opening up your world and look, look to be a, a seller's rep too. Um, or let's say you just focused on selling condos. Now, expand and, and look for selling houses or let's say you only did residential now expand and look for commercial. for doing commercial try and expand whatever your normal wheelhouse would be to give you a wider net to to bring business in also look outside your immediate area like mm -hmm. a lot of real estate agents they they concentrate on one set of towns close to where they live. And yeah, that's what you know and you, and you know everything about that area. So it's really easy, you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, this is a great pizzeria and you're gonna love this over here and there's this playground for your kids. Look outside of there, which might take a little bit of 
research. It sure. might it might take some work on your part, but no one said that this is going to be easy surviving. So or or look for areas that are thriving. So mm -hmm. um, there's been some recent articles in the paper about how the housing market is crashing and things are going down 20 percent and things are getting slower. You know, not every market is like that. There right. are still isolated areas that are just as strong as ever where houses are still having bidding wars and prices are still holding. You know, maybe go and find out where those areas are for you and start focusing on them and maybe give up some of those other areas uh, that you were traditionally working on because they're slower. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so. <laughs> Making like, some good points. All right, that's but, true. Yeah, so, we get the Omar check of approval. <laughs> <laughs> no, you made some good points, but also, I mean, most realtors will fall into two categories, right? They're they're either very busy during the during the boom that we just had, mm -hmm. or they didn't actually take off and they're still working on it. So when a recession hits, if you've been busy, it's good for you because you'll still have the business that you were working on. But if you haven't been as busy, now's the time to really take a step back and figure out where the opportunities are, because a recession, in my opinion, will bring more opportunities than a market that's booming just because there's more investment opportunities out there. I agree. Okay, number two, don't start market, don't stop marketing yourself. Okay, make sure you're out there doing your social media, doing, try to do videos. Let's say you don't normally do social media um, or you're just doing Instagram yeah. photos. Try to do something different, try to do reels. So I have a really good friend in Virginia, Molly. And Molly, um, she's, hi Molly. Molly is at the top of her game. She gets awards. She's always like the top person in her office. She's friends with my friend Shelly. Uh, um, hi so, Shelly. Hi Shelly. So she started doing videos like two years ago and she posted them on Facebook. She posts them, she posts them on Instagram. And now in her area, people follow her just because she does the funniest videos and she does like really like witty videos. And um, that wasn't even like, it was just something she was doing with her husband on the side. You know what I mean? It was just videos to help grow her business. She didn't use anything special. She didn't go out and buy new cameras or anything. She just did like, she had one where her husband dressed up as one of those dinosaurs and was like walking through the house, showing the house. And people loved it. Do what you feel comfortable with, but you have to get on video. Video is the newest, like, People watch videos all the time. Yeah. It's the top way of getting. You do videos all the time. I don't. I wouldn't say all the time, but you do videos. <laughs> we're, we're working on it, and like you said, now is a good time to really spend more time on it. When you have, when you are looking for that creative way to get out there. Yeah. So again, um, yes, I have fallen victim to an occasional video. Um, <laughs> it's definitely something that's out there. The the generation, the younger generation, is definitely watching this, yeah. and and even the older generation is now starting to do it. So so while you're tr looking to change your market and you're looking to get more business, doing these videos. And, and doing all of this um, social media and yeah. getting out there is really a great way to amplify your presence uh, and to, to help take you in a different direction. Also, don't mm. forget, it doesn't go away. So even ever. if you do, yeah, ever. <laughs> that's a good and a bad thing, right? So even if you're doing like a video now, 12 months from now, someone can still be watching that video. Oh, my 75-year-old mother, ooh, I shouldn't have given her age. But she flips through reels and watches videos, so. There you have it. So if you're not on a video, you're way behind the game. Yeah. Okay, number three, set up your CRM. Does everybody know what a CRM is? A client relation, or customer relationship management system. Yeah, so mm -hmm. most people, when they're super, super busy, they neglect doing that housekeeping stuff. It's which, a pain in the ass. Which makes themselves more efficient. 
Um, a lot of top, top, top producers actually have this stuff in place, and that's how they keep growing. Um, but I can tell you that probably, what, 70% of people don't use this type of software. Yeah. And it would be a great time in the downtime that you're experiencing. Get that set up. Get that ready because that's going to help maximize your time. Do you guys use CRMs? Um, <laughs> so I know I Omar like, does. I, I do. I use a, oh. I use a my own version of a CRM, but I do have it, yeah. Okay, I can. I believe that you do. Yeah. Do yeah. you use a CRM? <laughs> Eric has his own version. I don't, I don't, it's I, all I, I use the CRM of my mind. <laughs> it's customer relationship mind system. <laughs> um, I, I, I am like, have challenges in life. I'm a little uh, over ADD, like squirrel, like when, you know, I watch where the squirrel runs during a meeting, but anyway. <laughs> Um, um, I keep everything in my mind. Do I write stuff down? Yes. Um, do I have a calendar? Yes. Uh, but I don't aggressively use a CRM system. And I wish that I started doing that early on because I think it would have been a tremendous help for me. Um, I double book appointments on occasion just because my mind mm -hmm. is, is all over the place with so many ideas and things that I'm, uh, that I'm doing. But, um, but you're definitely also you're also a person who he, he's like an elephant. He doesn't re, he doesn't forget anything. Like you, you could have said something three years ago, and you're like, but on this day at this time, you said this. Is it done yet? So, sure. um, but for those of you who are not like that and aren't working like a little computer in your head, a CRM is so important because they do things like drip campaigns. Yes. What's a drip campaign? So a drip campaign is basically you can set it and forget it. So. Uh -huh. You can literally upload a thousand contacts and the CRM will actually go and send out emails or cards or reminders to Tax, all these thousand right. people. And all you have to do is literally touch your CRM, let's say once a month and set up what you want it to do and when and to who, and it does it for you. Um, yeah. A lot of people that work for me use CRMs. Um, our marketing department uses CRMs to, to do stuff like that. I just personally haven't made the time myself for it, but it's something that uh, I'm gonna have my assistant start doing right away. <laughs> but as a new real estate agent, I think it's really important yes. for you to do that because, you know, Adam, what, Adam's not here, and I point over there because he usually sits over there, but Adam is our residential expert, and he, um, he is so good at reaching out to people and follow up. And the first thing you learn about sales is that follow up is the key, right? Mm -hmm. Follow up is so important. The CRM will do your follow up, a lot of it for you. So and the CRM actually has like, you can make where there's pre-approved letters yep. or pre-approved responses. So, you know, typically if you're, if you're doing a lot of transactions, you're going to have the same need each time for that same type of letter. So having all this stuff pre-done cuts, your 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 hours of of labor here probably over 50%. So highly recommend it if you have that downtime because of the of the market right now invest in in that tool. But it is a pain in the butt to set up. Don't get discouraged. It takes a moment. And maybe set takes you know moment. 20 minutes a day and just mm -hmm. do it. Um you know, but once you do it you will you will love it. Um that yep. I know. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of different types of CRMs out there. So when you first start looking into it, it's easy to get overwhelmed. I would say just pick the first one, learn how to use it, and then yep. adjust. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you know, you. but you the goal switch. is just, to get, just yeah. to get started. And a lot of them migrate between, like you can migrate from one to another, like they'll yeah. pull you over, so yeah. Okay, number four. four. Maintain and improve 
relationships with existing clients. Do we all have existing clients? Well, not everyone does. If you're brand new, then what do you do? You maintain and improve your <laughs> network. Yes. SOI. What's SOI? Sphere of influence. Sphere, sphere of influence. That was good, Omar. Thank you. Thank you. So your sphere of influence, if you're new and you don't have that experience, you go after your sphere. Mm -hmm. If you're in the business and you're growing, you go after your existing clientele. So let's talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. Customer appreciation days. You've seen that with, with a lot of stores do that where they give better sales or, or um, you know, you go to your car wash. They have a customer appreciation day. They give mm -hmm. you a free smelly thing for your, your mirror, right? Um, all kinds of stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of top agents out there that have... Um, once or twice a year, they have holiday parties yep. or they have picnics and they get their clients together and they give back to their clients to build that relationship. Now, what does that do? It builds a relationship. <laughs> it keeps the, keep, keeps you in their mind. Yes. Thank you. It keeps them in the front. Uh, it keeps you in the front of their mind. It keeps that going. So when they start thinking of real estate, they're going to remember this party that they were at and then yeah. they're going to remember you. But if you don't have the money for a party then give them a phone call. Pick up the phone. Just say, I was thinking about you. You were on my mind. You know, how are you liking the pool at the house? Are the kids still using it? Or have they gotten tired of it yet? You know, just quick. You don't even have to stay on the phone for a long time. You just, you were on my mind. I wanted to give you a call and say, hey, everything's going great over here. Houses are selling. What's up with you? And then you turn that not only into a friend call, but then you have to, carefully mix that into a um, request for a referral call, yeah. right? So uh -huh. you would say like, oh, so great to hear from you, blah, 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 blah. How do you like that neighborhood? It's great. Um, so I'm going to yep. be like, Noah, how do you like the neighborhood? I love it. It's awesome. People are so nice. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm so happy to hear that, Noah. I'm, I'm glad you made friends with all your neighbors. You know what? I just ran into somebody at the local shop, right? and they were dying to get into your street. Yep. Do you happen to know anybody on the street that you think might be selling? Yep, there's someone who's really, really old and they're looking <laughs> to downside. <laughs> but that's really what happens. Yeah, happen. Seriously, I have a next door neighbor and he's really old and I think he's probably gonna downsize soon. All right, well, let's send someone out there. Yeah, let's send so, someone so out the there. Point is you take that call and while you are actually looking to build your relationship and, and to um, say, hey, how are you? And to be friends, if you're talented enough and you practice, you can turn that into a, a referral call. Okay, you just want to make sure that it comes out in that caring way. Right. All right. And, and of course, if you care, it will come out that way. But you know, you can always kill two. Uh, I'm not going to say that you can always make two <laughs> things happen um, with one effort. So there you go. Okay, next. No, number five. Know the ROI on your lead generation. ROI. What is it? ROI. Omar. ROI is return on investment. Yay. So Omar is really good at um, numbers. <laughs> at quantifying things, yeah. and he'll look at something and he'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time with this because it's not going to give me anything over here." So, give us a, give us some discussion points on how you would qualify mm -hmm. a good return on investment on lead generation tools that you've used. Sure. So. ROI is really how much you're getting back for what you're putting out, right? So it's either you're spending money or you're spending time on lead generation. So if I'm spending a thousand a month or two thousand a month on lead generation, chances are that's not going to bring me substantial leads. But if it closes one deal, it's going to be worth the money I spend. So what I would do is set a budget for the month, 
do it for three to four months and then see what the outcome of that is. If there's no leads that come in, if I'm, if I'm not getting any active business from it, that means I need to change something. And then it's not just the money, but how much time am I spending generating leads? How much phone calls am I going out? Do you put a number value on your time? And if so, as an agent, let's say as an agent that's been doing this for a couple of years, yeah. has good sales underneath their belt, but is seeing a slowdown mm -hmm. with the current economy, what number would you put on your time? So, so I think a good business practice is- <laughs> I have to it, laugh at that. I know, Why? Because I, <laughs> I know much, Omar. How much you want to bet someone out there so, was thinking that question? No, it's a great so, question. So the, yeah, so a good business principle is to put a dollar amount on your time, okay. right? Okay. So if you had to return something from the store that cost $2, would you drive 30 minutes to return it? No. You wouldn't. But what if it cost $500? Would you drive, take an hour out of your day to go? Of course you, you would. would. So I think the same applies to business, right? If you're going to fulfill your schedule with things to do every day, um, you have to put a dollar amount to it. So if you're going out to networking events every three to four nights and it's not leading to anything, you're wasting your time. How much of your time is it actually worth to continue going to the, these events if they're not producing anything? So Omar, how do you determine what your dollar amount is? Well, if it, if and it's, has it hold on. <laughs> he thinks and, it's infinite. And has it changed from when you first started out to now? Of course it's changed. So okay. as, as my partner here, a good friend Eric knows, I don't leave the house unless I have something that's already he's not bad. rolling out of bed for less than <laughs> a do. couple of g's i'm ready <laughs> but eric loves to go out all the time and i love that about him but um when it comes to doing business tasks i'm not interested in doing things like going to see homes i'm, I'm not going to schedule a day to see 10 houses i'll just do it i'll just cut it down to maybe one house and there's ways to do that so the goal is to use your time effectively because you could be spinning your wheels and not getting anywhere if you don't do that so right. how do you think they should put a dollar amount? What so, dollar amount should they be so, looking so at? So depending on their stage in, in their career. Right. Right? Someone who's new, who's right. just who's started, new. give us some raw numbers. Yeah. Are they full-time or are they doing this part-time? Full-time. If you're full-time, initially your time has to be spent learning. So that's your biggest ROI. You have to learn, otherwise what are you really doing? If you're not learning and you decide to start spending some advertising dollars, depends on what your budget is. Right, so if their budget is even a thousand a month, I don't think that's going to get you some great results. So you have to get creative. That's with a how lot for some is. people, especially starting. It out. is. It, it agreed. But if you spend a thousand on Zillow, you're not going to get any significant results on that, and we all know it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you put, it's hard to put a dollar amount when you first start out because your focus is really on learning, and then once you learn, figure out what sort of lead generation would work best for you. So let's say I'm brand new, and just for easy numbers, I want to, I want to, I want to say I want to bring home fifty grand this year. Would I take that and? divide it up hourly and, and use that as my ROI That's or would I question. use that as my time? Sure. So so if I wanted, if I was brand new and my goal was 50,000, um, I would first determine how what the price range of the homes are that I need to sell and how many homes I need to sell, right? Okay. And then it's a numbers game from there. If you need to tell, sell 10 homes and make a $5,000 commission, which is very doable, that gets you to 50,000. Right. Um, but then the question becomes, how do you get those 10 homes? And that's where your daily practice comes in. How, what are you doing to get those 10 homes? So okay. on a weekly basis, what's your prospecting like? Are you making cold calls? Because cold calls take up time, but they don't really take up money. True. Right? So it's either time or money. And then as you start getting the ball rolling, as a new agent, you'll figure out what you feel comfortable doing. I guess so my 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 goal was just to be like, listen, if you're just starting out, don't put that my time is worth $300 an hour, right? You're not a lawyer, right? So you just want to be- could be a lawyer. Agreed. Could be a lawyer, maybe you are a lawyer, sorry. <laughs> but I'm just saying like be, 
make it realistic when you're when you're doing yeah, that formula yeah. in your I, head. I definitely agree because when you first start out, you don't know what your time is worth. Right. Many times. Exactly. Exactly. But I like the point here for everybody to notice ROI, and and it's not just about money. It could be about time. So uh, what I learned from Omar is your time has value. Yeah. So I didn't always feel that way about myself. Um, I never, not that I didn't feel that I was valuable, but I never looked at it as like, (laughs) thank you. But I never looked at it as like, what you just did for that last hour, I could have been doing 10 other things during that last hour. Mm -hmm. So Omar taught me, you have to really manage what you do during the eight hours that you have in that day for work and make sure you get the most out of it. So again, two ways to look at ROI, on a financial level with cash, money, and on a on a time level. Now, also with that said, Eric has built a system for himself where he can do things and it all kind of feeds into it does feeds into itself. So his view on time may be a little bit different than mine, but he's made it work for himself. So no, he's right. All, you could be having fun and still be working. I've seen you. Do, I see you do it every day. Thank you. Yeah, and it's, it's and you don't journey. have to like you don't have to prop me up here. This is okay. It's okay that <laughs> no, I no, but I mean I don't it. have these things. But um, all right. Anyway, number okay. six. Okay. Stay informed about the real estate market and other economic conditions, right? So how do you stay informed? You watch a podcast like this, which right. tells you about yeah. what's going on. You watch the news. You go to networking events. Mm-hmm. How else do you stay informed? Well, today's world, there's so much access to easy information. So follow a uh, real estate publication. A good one is Inman. Yeah, that's good. Inman, Keeping Current Matters. These are good articles that post on the latest uh, market trends that everyone should keep. And also, I mean, you're spending the money for NAR, so... Useless. (laughs) Yeah. So NAR is like a board. It's the National Association of Realtors. Right, but most... I don't know that it's mandatory to join. It's not mandatory, but but nationwide, you do have people who are realtors. And if if you're spending the money on any board... They always give newsletters. They always have updates. Like um, you should read. You should yeah. you should read what other people are talking about. You should read what they're doing. You should read about your markets. What that does is it helps broaden your horizon and it helps you understand what certain people feel the econ- economic flavor is. Yeah, and it may help you make a decision. Right. So let's talk about that Zillow spending a thousand dollars a month on Zillow. Let's say that you are spending it in this one you know town letter A. Right. And town letter A, the houses aren't turning over because uh, the market just is really bad in that area. There's too many houses. So by reading about that, which you're going to read through different articles um, about that specific town, that would help you make a decision. Maybe that's not the best town to buy Zillow leads in or to buy any kind of lead generation service for that town. If you didn't read and if you didn't do all that outreach and, and understanding, you wouldn't be able to have that information and you may make the wrong decision. And how can you look to sort of think outside of the box and be, you know, be that person, that innovator in what you're doing if you don't even know what is happening with your market? Yeah. When you first start out, just find someone who's doing something that works and do what you can to imitate them, but not exactly copy them. Without them knowing you could I do them. agree that you, you <laughs> should never reinvent the wheel. Like if it's being done and you can yeah. you can follow a, a, a formula, but then you want to always improve upon it. Yes, it's Agreed. always good to improve. Yeah, so uh, improving in most cases means customizing it so that mm-hmm. you could make it work, right? Yep. But real estate has been around for as long as we remember, and not much has really changed except technology at this point. Which is big. So what, what works, what works is going to continue to work. There you go. All right, number seven. I'm going to run out of fingers. Um, Connect with your contacts 
and do it as a person. Um, so, you know, when you're meeting people, and this is something that I've always done, well, or get to let them let them get to know you and you get to know them. So mm -hmm. an advice that I, no one taught me this, but I figured this out early on. Um, I was trying to get into the local political market um, where I where I work, and I was just so excited to meet these pol politicians that I would run up to them and be like, "Hey, I have all these ideas. Let's change the world. Um, you know, I have stuff for you to, to learn, and and I have stuff to learn from you." And I it was almost like I was like a puppy dog that like <laughs> grabbed onto their leg, right? Um, so what I realized was that that was the, totally the wrong way to approach things because even though it was from a positive place with great energy and I had great ideas, they looked at me as like, oh my God, who's this person like attacking me it's with business? Much. Right. So what I learned is you don't approach them that way. You approach them as, hey, how are you? Oh, you know, great suit jacket you're wearing or nice hat and, you know, where are you from? Do you have kids? How are you? And you get to know that person as a person. And then after you become friendly and you have a casual relationship, then the business part just comes naturally. Yep. And then they're actually interested in what you have to talk about. So amazing, amazing tip that most people don't know. Um, so definitely work on your connections and connect as a person first. And then the real estate part of it comes second. And I think there's such a stigma around real estate agents that because everyone knows that it is a sales-based profession, right? So when you tell someone you're a real estate agent, they automatically, if they don't know anything about being a real estate agent, they put a wall up because they're like, oh no, you want me to buy or sell something, <laughs> right? Um, but when you do connect on that one-on-one -on -one level, you talk about kids, you talk about, you know, your family, you talk about, I mean, anytime I meet someone, I look for what I like about what they're wearing or their hair or something, and I will compliment them up the wazoo. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that it's not true if I've complimented you recently. But, <laughs> but I'll compliment them because you want to you break down that wall so they don't think of you as just a salesperson just trying to sell them or get them to do something. Yeah, very, very, very true. And again, today's world has become so impersonal. Yep. It's so easy. People just blow you off. Um, years back, people were much nicer, I think, and, and people were more friendly just in in general, um, and, it, and it actually varies by location. Um, I know that I've lived in New Jersey, I, I live in Connecticut a little bit, and where I am in Connecticut, when I'm walking the street, the people just say hi to me. Whereas in New Jersey, not so much. So it really just, the, more, the areas change and just roll with it and figure out a way to connect with people first. Okay, number eight. Focus your attention on your sphere of influence. What was it? Your SOI. So Omar brought this up earlier. He said it much more cooler. <laughs> SOI. Yeah. SOI. His SOI. Omar, what is it? Sphere of influence. Okay. So again, sphere of influence, this is again, same thing as, as what we were talking about before. It's just the people that are around you, um, the people that you know, the people that you have in theory influence over, your friends, your family. Here's yes. the biggest thing that people say to me from, from the school. So, you know, Center for Real Estate Education here. People are always like, I don't have friends with money. Or I don't have friends who are looking to buy. I don't have friends who are looking to sell. What do you do when someone tells you that their sphere of influence isn't that influential? So you've all heard of six degrees of separation. Wasn't that like Kevin Bacon? Kevin, six, six degrees, degrees of, of separation. Bacon. <laughs> 
<clears throat> that person, right, may know a person who knows a person. So everybody has a mother. You know, some of us are fortunate and have had relationships with their mothers, right? Or if it's your father or whatever, who's your biggest fan? It's usually one of your parents, right? Going around talking about how wonderful you are. I remember my mother used to go and, and she would tell everybody at the grocery store who she didn't even know what I did and how I could help them. So, <laughs> but, like yeah. So by that sphere of influence, it doesn't mean that that person has to know somebody. It just means that you have to give them confidence of what you're doing so they have the confidence to go out and promote you. Yeah. Sphere of influence is really who is going to work with you, who likes you enough to work with you. Yeah. Because if they like, people like to do business with people they like, right? So you don't necessarily have to be an expert, but if you're, if you're willing to do the work as you go along, your sphere of influence is the first set of people that'll be willing to work with you. And don't like think that people don't say all the time. People are like, oh, I know someone who does this. And just because I know yeah. Omar might tell me, I know someone who can fix that in your house for me. And because I know Omar, I already trust Omar. That already extends that trust to that third party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't have any sort of sphere of influence, Noel, you mentioned some students. If you have no one in your network that's looking to buy, if you're in your early 20s and your age group yep. is not buying or renting yet, uh, join an office and help other people who have clients. That's the best way for oh, you to get gosh. started. I think that's on the list. Oh, all right. That's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> but but all, all good stuff about sphere of influence. All right, next. Number nine. Yes. Yes. This is Noel's favorite. Actually, Omar loves this too. Um, I'm probably the worst at this one. Make the switch to nearly all digital operation. Cut, I mean, not cut the cord, get the cord. Like, don't <laughs> stop get doing the things that can be automated. If it can be, got to do automation. It's going to make your life so much more easy. Good, then you could talk about it. Yes. So listen, well, what do they, <laughs> what, what do we say? Make here? the switch to all digital operation. So, well, that's like going to a CRM. Instead of sending out emails by hand where you're literally writing an email to everyone, you do the CRM, you set it up and you let it go. You want to make anything that can be automated. Even if you're doing social media, use things like Hootsuite. You know what I mean? Where you can <clears throat> do social media posts for a whole week, a whole month, and it just goes and it just does. It saves you time and energy. What other things do you guys automate? Not you. What other things do you automate? <laughs> um, so marketing is definitely one thing you want to automate. It's very hard to do. It takes some time. It's not something you'll do as a new agent. But once you start generating some business, your marketing has to be sent out on a regular basis uh, in a way that you're not constantly thinking about it. So the leads come in. That's what you focus on. But the marketing should be automated eventually, so your leads are consistently coming in. But also, even if you have clients with like um, digital virtual tours and things like that, mm -hmm. that will get people looking at you over, they say that 80% of all people who are looking for a house find it with ones that, listings that have pictures. Who's they? They is things that I've read ah. because I do read. Doesn't everybody always wonder who they is? <laughs> <laughs> I read stuff online all the time. I'm always going Inman. I have a subscription to Inman, like yeah. all of that stuff. But 
80% of people will not even think about a house, not unless they have pictures or virtual tours and things like that. So you want to just have those things automatic. You want to have them up on your website. You want people to be able to look through the house. It's going to make them feel as though you really know your stuff. Everything is online now and it must be mobile, like where it's mobile enhanced. So they, when it goes on their phone, it all comes up properly. You don't want them to have to go to a desktop because a lot of people aren't using laptops and desktops anymore. Yes. And learn how to use all that stuff. Because even for me, yep. who's half digital, um, I'm still learning and I try to learn stuff. And you know, You're I try- more digital than you um, think. I, yeah. I try, and then I get frustrated because I don't know how to work it. Um, but once somebody shows me, I can always, I can always roll with it, but become an expert in that and learn how to work the software. There's so much stuff out there to make your life so easy. Um, and it all interacts together, you know, yep. and just roll with it. But also remember, even if you don't know how to do it, YouTube it. If you can't learn anything else, learn how to look something up on YouTube. You know oh my why? God, yeah, Noel told me that it's amazing. <laughs> because you can learn anything. They will take you. There is a video out there for everything yes. and it takes you step by step. As simple as like how how to work. A, so I just bought a new house and I have these weird light switches that I don't know how to work. Mm -hmm. And there's a video on how to work it. Yep. It's crazy. Someone else has had your problem with those same light switches and they decided to film it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, filming and watching a video is so much easier <laughs> than actually reading and how yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> so, okay. Number 10. 10. I'm out of fingers. Build a financial safety net. That's hard to do. You want to talk about that, Noel? <laughs> <laughs> Marry well. Yeah, no. <laughs> That'll do it. Omar, tell us about building a financial sure. safety net. So, I mean, on the within a recession, that's that's kind of an odd number to have, odd topic to have. But um, what I would suggest is, are you are you, are you knocking our list? No. I'm, <laughs> What does it say under that? I'm curious well, to I, know. I'm, I want your opinion on what building a financial safety. So I'll give you my example of what I did. Um, for those who are in corporate right now or who have a full-time job, you need to build mm -hmm. a financial safety net by saving, living below your means, and having a piggy bank account for a rainy day so that if you decide to go into real estate, you have a cushion to either live off or fall back on if things don't work out. How do you do that? You work, you get a job, you put your entrepreneurial side aside, entrepreneurial spirit. You bartend aside. during the night and do what? real estate during the day. There you go, whatever yeah. whatever works. Yeah. And there's nothing really wrong with it. When, you know, looking back, I think, I forgot where I heard this, but even if you Uber <laughs> during the daytime and uh, you do real estate afterwards, that's a great setup. And most people will think, no, you're wasting your time, but no. You're free, you're making enough to live off, save, and then you're also spending, you have the flexibility of doing something else. So that's one great avenue that Omar has, has talked about, and I'm gonna give you another great avenue. What's that? Okay, so if you know you're going into a down market where you're not sure what your cash flow is gonna be, and you're worried about having money, you're worried about a cash flow, you're worried about what kind of deals you're gonna have, um, but let's say you've been successful, or let's say you, you so you've been successful either in do, doing a lot of closings, or you're a successful investor and you have a lot of properties, um, sometimes, or hopefully, those properties will have equity in them. So you may have a house that's worth $500,000 and you may, may only own owe 200000 on it. Okay, but okay? building a financial safety No, 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 no. This is all about getting through a bad time. Right. Okay. okay? All right, that's a different so side this is, this is Recessions, hopefully, are not going to last forever. They last a couple of years, if that, mm -hmm. depending, right. right? So your goal is to get through those times. If you have a house that's worth... Six hundred thousand dollars, 
you have a $200,000 mortgage on it and you're a real estate agent, okay, and you're out there and you were used to making $200,000 a year and now you're going to make a hundred, you could go and get a home equity line of credit mm-hmm. for $100,000 and keep that as a safety net in case you have to get through right, two or a, three months of dry period spread, without a closing. Spray right. Don't go net. and buy a new car with it. Right. Leave it there for emergencies. And then, you know, as Omar says, you don't want to go crazy, but you take that money and that's there to use and you use you borrow against your own money until your closing comes in and then you can pay down that mm-hmm. that line of credit. Okay, so it's just there so you're not panicking, you're not worried because you know you have the money and then you just keep working. When you have to live hand to mouth and you don't have any money, it gets very nerve wracking and you get frustrated and yeah. and that's when you, you screw up your deals and you can't focus on on doing deals and making money because you're constantly worried about how you're going to pay the bills. Yep. So if you do something like that, it will help you bridge the gap. You don't like that, Omar? I do. It, it, it's it's if you have money, use it, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, number eleven. Okay. Number eleven. Number eleven. Yes. And and this is something that um. Hmm. I've, I I do this all the time. Not everybody does, but. Market your current listings more aggressively. So a lot of people, a lot of agents out there, they just throw stuff on the market. Right, Omar? Yeah. They don't even take good pictures. Like I I was actually looking on Zillow this morning um, in in a town that I'm moving to, and I saw this listing, and it was uh, $865,000. It was an old house mm-hmm. like an old uh, like 1880s farmhouse and it was a partnership between two agents from a very high profile real estate office and i looked it up and i started looking at the pictures and i'm like there was one picture which was a, a bathroom where you just saw the top of the toilet and you saw a wall of paneling and i was just like why the hell is this picture on here yeah right the these are two right. top agents that are used to probably things moving so fast that they didn't even care to take the right pictures. And we just talked about how important pictures are before because people yep. look and, and, and judge whether or not they should see a property. So that's one example. Like, take it more seriously. Things are not going to fly off the market the way they did before. So you have to put that time and effort into it. And Omar. don't, you know, I feel as though, like, you might have something that's not, that's not in a very high price range. You should still take as much care with that because when people see what you've done with that listing, how you've marketed, how you pushed it through, and it wasn't in a million dollar listing. You know what I mean? It wasn't eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It was you know three hundred thousand dollars. They're going to be like, I want that person because look at what they did with that one. What are they going to do with mine? Yeah, yeah. I think the saying is, "How you do anything is how you do everything." So Ooh, the way you treat- say that again. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use it with the kids. Go ahead. Um, so as you were saying, the same way you'd market the low-end homes or low-range low homes is the same, same effort you'd put into the luxury homes. Uh, but also, as far as aggressively marketing a listing, um, one thing a lot of agents don't do is follow up with people who have seen the house. Because many mm-hmm. times someone may come to see the house and they may not respond when they may not be too far off. If your house is listed for 500,000, maybe the person wants to offer less, but they're not doing it for whatever reason. And following up and asking them what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, is a good source of feedback to, de- to determine what to do with the listing. So you're saying you learn from the follow-up? Big time. So I, what I do is every listing that goes up, once someone sees it, I ask them for feedback. 
-hmm. And based on the feedback, obviously I'm not gonna jump to conclusions, but it's good. It's a good source of information on what the market's saying. So if you hear three people that viewed the property all say that the pink bedroom was just too pink, what do you do? I would tell them, we'll give you credit for it, it's just a bedroom, but I would take that feedback to the seller and uh, either tell them to paint it, if that's the case, or get the buyer's agent to understand it's just paint. Got it. Not a deal. But if you didn't ask, you wouldn't have that information. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it could be something trivial where people just have a misunderstanding of a property. Happens, yeah. And they don't understand, you know, let's say there's an easement on the property, they don't understand that, or there's something, the roof looks older than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, things like that, that you could better learn from getting feedback. So yeah. I agree that's very important. What about, what about feedback on price? Because I think that um, being more aggressively also could mean price it more aggressively. Meaning at a- When you're price. going out, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's a good point. I mean, um, depending on what the seller's motivations are, if you wanna move a property quickly, you have to price it based on what someone's willing to come in and offer and uh, not leave so much on the table to negotiate. Because if, if you, you'll hit the people who are looking to buy because they need to buy quickly versus someone who's uh, willing to look at a few homes and put in a few offers out there. All right. I mean, you have to remember that there are still gonna be people who need to buy and sell for all sorts of different mm -hmm. reasons. I mean, so if you're moving, your, your kids are going into a different, like they're going from uh, middle school to high school and you need them to be in a better school. So there's, and there are all sorts of different reasons. It's not just divorce and death, right? They're all, <laughs> but those are the big ones. Those are the ones that really make you move. But there are smaller reasons where people, even in a, in a down economy with higher interest rates are gonna be like, I'd rather move right now than later. So. Yeah. So get more aggressive, look for more opportunities. You know, maybe there's a, a you're in an area where there's a lot of corporations and they're mm -hmm. looking for some corporate housing for their executives. Reach out to those corporations, see who handles their relocation division, and and look for other ways and other interests to generate uh, um, offers on this property. All right, last one. Okay, what's the last one? Last one. What is it? What is it, Omar? I covered my top. <laughs> He's like, I'm done for today. Right. <laughs> Another way to survive: join a team. I said that. Yes, I know, but that's <laughs> number said, 12. That's say. number 12 on our list. Okay. Join a team. So joining a team mm -hmm. gives you a smaller piece of a bigger pie, right? So but you're getting a piece of something. But yeah. you're eating the pie right. as opposed to, you know, having sitting outside eating nothing. Looking in the window, being like, that pie looks really good. Okay, so what, what are your thoughts on teams, Omar? I think um, teams are great. And... They weren't always around. I mean, the brokerage used to be the team, but now you have small teams of individuals who really go aggressive with marketing and they need assistance to help them with the leads that are coming in. So if you're new, I would highly recommend joining a team. It takes a lot of burden off you personally. And if you find a team that's motivated, you fit in properly, you hit the ground running and you start learning from day one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've seen a lot of newer agents join teams and be able to get a lot of experience. So if you are new to the business, or even even if you're not new, new, but you're like, whoa, I've never been in a down market. Just so you know, guys, I'm gonna get a basket that they have to put their phones in. We're gonna have a basket, a phone basket. 
But I think teams are. A that great was a way. two million dollar deal that I had to answer that text. I'm time sorry. is money. No. <laughs> time is money. ROI. <laughs> ROI. But just just so you know, like teams are great because if you are newer in the business, you can learn from people. You can see new techniques. And during this downtime, it's always better to be part of a pack. So right. So yeah. you're you're literally when you have a team structure, literally there's money being spread out across the board. Right. It's not the way to make real money, I don't think. But if you're worried about getting started or, or surviving a down economy, you know, two or three people working together, you spread that money across the board. It's it's more effort to to get potential opportunities. So it's definitely something you could look into. But um, in any event, I hope you enjoyed this top 12 ways to uh, prepare yourself for an unlikely recession or a likely recession or whatever's coming. Good points to learn at all times. And um, we loved having you here today. Noelle, what do you want to tell them? I want to tell you guys to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe press that button down there go see us on youtube google apple spotify all of that good stuff and can you please let us know what you're going to do to survive the recession if the recession comes if there's even a recession but what are your what are your things that you're going to do let us know and ask us any questions that you might have try it and remember if you visualize it you can own it see you next time bye guys <laughs>